Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by Simona Gunner to discuss the topic of unleashing team success, to master the art of motivation, and to create a safe environment. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Gunnar, we're going to start with you. Yeah, my name is uh, Gunnar Hermansen. I, I work for a company called Intrust. Uh, I have um, some teams, security teams, here in uh, Copenhagen and also in Reading in the United Kingdom and in Barcelona. And then I have uh, two small teams in uh, Asia, uh, in Hong Kong and in Singapore. So I'm a people's manager, uh, but also very technical, uh, which I enjoy very much. It's within multi-factor authentication, uh, some fraud products for banks, and then PKI solutions. So it's highly technical and uh, PKI for like national IDs and other kind of, of uh, PKI. Fantastic. Thank you, Gunnar. Yeah. And it's nice to have you back on the podcast. Uh, it's Thank you. Nice to see you return. And then... For a first time on the podcast, Simona, over to you. Thank you, Sam, and excited to be here. Um, so my name is Simona and I work for Nordia, which is a bank in Scandinavia. I work officially as a product owner. I have been working as a product owner for a couple of years, mostly on or in distributed teams. Um, so I have not had the pleasure of experiencing a team co-location. Um, so I can relate to Gunnar in that experience, um, even though maybe my teams are not so international. Uh, currently, I have people working in Finland and then also in India. And previously, my team was located in uh, Poland. I am uh, myself located in Copenhagen. And uh, for uh, most of the uh, people that are located then in Europe, we, of course, get to see each other from time to time. But uh, I have not seen my colleagues uh, from India in person yet. Um, and I hope at one point that will happen too. Um, yes, and uh, I work on products which are customer facing. I'm not a super deep technical person. I actually come more from the background of customer experience and customer uh, interface, user interface, user experience design uh, compared to the technical side of things. Um, so I also enjoy working on products um, that are very much customer facing and um, are heavy on the, the user interface, you could say. Amazing. Really glad to have you on here today, Simona. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, a Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Now that we've established a context around each of you, let's work, or let's move, should I say, onto the topic in focus. 
you each have a question around motivation and creating a safe environment for your team. And as usual, we'll work around the room and we can post the questions and your reasons behind them and each have an opportunity to give your say on that situation. Simona, we're starting with your question or one of your questions first. How do you mitigate the cultural gap in distributed teams and which techniques did use did prove useful and which did not work? A little bit self-explanatory, but I'd love to hear your thinking and, and some context before handing it over to Gunnar. Sure, thanks. Um, yeah, it is quite self-explanatory, especially I think tying to the fact that we have established that we are working with distributed teams. So um, I think managing distributed teams, as Gunnar probably knows, uh, is very different from managing co-located teams. Uh, there goes in kind of extra effort into making the a team work together um, and is often then also met uh, by perhaps some cu cultural differences. Um, I think I, from my experience personally, most recognize them between um, people who are coming from Europe and then maybe some um, countries that are outside of Europe. I think uh, the culture, the corporate culture can be quite different uh, in in these countries and, and the expectations of people are different as well. So I am wondering then, Gunnar, what, based on your broad experience with working with uh, people with uh, really like many different cultures, um, how did you succeed um, at mitigating the cultural gap uh, or at least maybe bridging the gap a little bit? Um, and do you have some concrete examples with uh, techniques that uh, brought you success and maybe also things that didn't work so well? Yeah. So first of all, great question. Um, so having the, the teams in in Europe uh, very, very alike in, in, in the way they are mentally, but in, in Asia, it can be a bit different. When I got that team, um, they were already part of Entrust. So they already had the company culture. Um, but what I find is that it's important just to be myself, not trying to be somebody else. It's, it's very important. And then setting clear expectations and then have lots of meetings. And when you have the meetings, put on the camera so they can see them, uh, they, we can see each other. And then I find humor to be very, very good to bridge people together, then having a good laugh, um, bringing everybody on the same level brings people together. So, and I also read some articles about that laughter actually brings trust. So having people trusting you is, is super important. Uh, so humor is a fantastic tool in, in my opinion. Um, and then it's, it's also important to, to understand that sometimes Things can take a little longer if it's something that they're not experienced with. So being patient and prepared to repeat and do some more explaining that you necessarily would locally, uh, that can bring you a long way. And then accepting that there's differences, but trying to bring all on the same page and then making sure they understand who you are. I think that's that will bring you a long way. Thanks. I think that makes good sense. Maybe a reflection from my side. You mentioned the 
turning on of the camera and I think that's a good uh, subject uh, to maybe pause a little bit uh, around because I have actually um, experienced like different approaches to that and I think that uh, there could be a different ways to to figure this out because I have also experienced that some people have actually found it like too um, demanding that they had to have the camera on every single time we spoke um, especially because you know they were working from home mostly and maybe they were like comfy in their outfits they didn't feel comfortable to share and so on. So uh, a proposal that the team came up with was that there were like camera days and non-camera days. Oh. Uh, so then people could uh, decide, or I mean, in, not decide, but they were prepared that, okay, uh, Wednesday is a camera day, meaning that on Wednesday we all turn on our cameras and maybe then put also like the extra effort in the morning into, you know, looking like the presentable uh, people that we want to look like, right? So I think like it's important to then maybe also, and not just when it comes to camera, but in general to make sure that there is kind of like space for negotiation uh, because maybe by one group of people, it could be assumed that this is a good practice, like, you know, having the camera always on. And then other group of people could be actually feeling quite like sensitive about the subject. Um, so we figure out that having a con conversation around how can we do it so everyone feels uh, comfortable with uh, doing it that way actually helps. So that could be uh, one example of what I, for instance, experienced, uh, but can definitely agree to that, you know, in general, turning on a camera is always a good idea. I, I like it very much, and and luckily for me, my team is not camera shy. I only have like one or two that I once in a while have to to call out. The other thing is that I I can see when they're multitasking because then they they have this special concentrated look on the away on the screen away from the from the camera. They're like, "Hey, Michael, you're you're multitasking now. You're not listening." I can call that out. Um, and that's always that always gives a good laugh on the, on the team when when I do that. Yes, of course. Amazing guys. Well, it's a great way to kick us off with that question, Simona. Gunnar's next question is focused more on: Do you do non-related work stuff to create a positive working environment? To I suppose I, I actually I'll hang it over to to Gunnar to give the examples and I suppose a bit of context. Yes. Yeah, so the, the reason is that. First of all, I, I like to know my my team members very well. Um, I ask into their hobbies and and stuff like that, and then I've plotted in their birthdays and their work anniversaries into my calendar. So I I know three days in advance. So let's say it's on a falls on a Sunday, then I can remember to to com say congratulations on on the Friday. Um, but I'm always listening and and open to more ideas on how. I can expand in on that front because that's also something that brings the team together. So that's basically the reason for, for the question. Mm. Yeah, great question. Thanks. I mean, um, again, I think I have like um, kind of similar answer as before that in general, uh, when you have distributed teams, of course, um, it requires extra effort to create some sort of 
social environment where people feel like they can engage in other than just non or, or than just work related topics. Um, and it's not easy to create that psychological safety. I agree to that. Uh, but I think like there is a certain um, trend uh, maybe that um, could kind of uh, be around, let's say, I've, what I've experienced was um, let's have like social Fridays, right? So every Friday there is a social meeting booked um, in order to for people to just like chat, discuss, and so on and so on. And I found that that it worked, but it worked mostly well in instances where there was always someone who prepared some sort of agenda for that meeting. Very loose, but there was some sort of topic or a game or something to start with. Like, I don't think it works if you, for instance, like set up social meetings just for the sake of having a social meeting and then expect to kind of um, have people chit-chatting in a way they would do if they were physically sitting in the same room. Like I find that the interaction just really happens differently um, online uh, and that it does require those like it's uh, how to say it like we want to create it like this authentic environment that kind of feels like natural and non-orchestrated but you kind of have to orchestrate it a little bit because otherwise I think it can get quickly kind of into a more awkward <laughs> situation, uh, which can then, of course, like create a space for a laugh in itself. But I, at least like what I have found successful was that if uh, planning something like social activities and so on, then it it's, uh, works the best when there is, let's say, each week a dedicated person who takes over the responsibility for creating some sort of social activity that can be performed online for the team. So not just, not like being social for the sake of being social, but really doing something that feels um, somewhat like, uh, like people are not kind of wasting their time because it could feel like that if there is no like, purpose for the meeting yeah um we, we had exactly the same experience that having an agenda uh is super important and, and as you say it can be a loose agenda or it can be games so small quick games where you do something and then you come back and discuss what happened or won or something like that have you found to be super good and then a topic in advance uh so we can talk about that also works really well and then we, we, we then have it on Thursdays, not on Fridays, but basically same thing. People can drop in and what's been really good for is the cross-border team. So we the, we have kind of a much better feeling with the US and our North American staff that I had before COVID when before COVID we did have these kind of meetings and we did establish this due, uh, during COVID and it made it really, really um, well because we now know people much better um, and it brings the teams together and you want to help people if you know them um, whereas if you there's somebody approaching you you don't know you don't have the same engagement so that has been really really successful so good point and, and absolutely right about the uh, 
the agenda thing. Yes, organized fun. That the yeah. keyword here. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we made it optional for people to jump in, and there's always at least a handful of people jumping in. Uh, most likely, two handfuls of people jumping in on the on the call. So, so it works really well. Thanks, Gunnar. Yeah, good, another great question there, Gunnar. Thank you. Smyrna, we're back around uh, to another one of your questions. I really like the sound of this one. Sure. Um, yes, I can move on to the next uh, one. So um, I wanted to ask a little bit about, um, well, perhaps we discussed that a little bit now, but maybe um, social activities are one way to do it and there could be other ways to build uh, psychological safety in the team. Um, and, you know, how do you kind of create that both like within the team, but also in your uh, relationship uh, in terms of the one-to-one relationships with your employees? Like, how do you create that atmosphere of psychological safety if you have some yeah. good tips and tricks for us? Now, when when I read that question, um, I came to think about a book I got when I was eight years old. Um, it was with uh, Donald Duck, and he has these three nephews, uh, Huey, Dewey, and, and, and Louie. And in this Donald Duck book, uh, they're playing ball in, in the garden, and one of them smashes a window. And he goes in and tells uh, his uncle Donald Duck about the window, and he gets a piece of cake. And then he goes outside, and the two other nephews sees that, and then they smash a window because they want the cake as well. But I didn't understand. I was I, I got the book on my eight years birthday. I didn't understand why did he get the cake. So I, I asked my grandmother why did he get the cake, and she explained to me because he was honest, he was transparent. He went in, he he told what was happened, uh, and he was rewarded not for smashing the window, but because he was honest. And and that story uh, popped up again in in my head when I when I had this question. And I think it's a fantastic story about how we must reward people being transparent, um, make them feel safe to come with us, even with the worst stuff they've done. They should be feel safe to, to come and put that um, on our plates. So, so I think it's very important with feeling safe. And one of the things I always tell my team is that uh, if if they have a first time mistake or first time failure then it's not a mistake or a failure. It's a learning experience. That's very important for them to understand that I don't consider that a failure. Um, learning experience and, and improving is super important, and therefore they should be ready to share those experiences. And when we talk about failure and mistakes, it has this negative thing in our heads. But learning experience is something very positive. So changing the the mistake or failure into a learning experience makes it much easier to share with the broader team. And then they can shine in in what they have accomplished, what they can share with the team. I think that's that's very important that they feel that we remove the fear uh, of failure. Um, and then when, when something happens, I, it's super important for them to know that I will have that back no matter what. Um, my first priority is the team's well-being, um, because without the team, I'm nothing. Because they're doing all the the hard work, so having their back and their 
they know I have their back. That's very important. Um, and then I've, I've been in their shoes, so I understand where they are coming from, so I can relate to to them. So um, that's that's something they also know. And then again, they always have the open door. Um, that's a classic, but very important, and actually having it. And then I have this rule that if I have one-to-one meetings. I'm not allowed to cancel them. The employees uh, or the team member is allowed to cancel, but I'm not allowed to cancel. I can move it uh, if I'm prevented to, to participate because that happens sometimes. So I can move it, but I can't cancel it. Um, it's it's a rule we, we set up, and I think that works very well. So they know they have some dedicated time if they have scheduled one-on-ones. And then, again, I'm, I never call somebody out if there's something bad has happened, then if something bad has to be displayed, then it's in a one-to-one, never on a team meeting or something. Then if I had to bring the situation up, then I will never call out who was to blame because that's between me and that person. So they can feel safe when that situation is is explained. So I, I hope that makes sense. That was a lot of different things in one go. Yes. But I think it does make sense and a great story, of course, with, uh, um, yeah, the, the story about, you know, that it's really important to make feel uh, people or make people feel that it's okay to share uh, what they have um, done if something happens and if they don't really you know, if, if they didn't really succeed in what they were trying to do. Um, and of course, like things happen every day. There could be intentional, non-intentional and so on. And it should always feel um, like we're open to to share. I'm like re- a little bit reflecting on uh, that as I speak in terms of um, my own experiences actually uh, then being in a position of um, how did I experience that psychological safety when uh, with my leader. Uh, so a little bit uh, turning that a little bit around. But I think one of the uh, absolutely like things, important things that create psychological safety for me is also the fact that I feel that I can share anything uh, that happened in my personal life that has significant impact on how I feel um, and how I show up to work. And I think like this acknowledging the fact that people have personal lives outside of of work and that not every day is a great day because something could have happened, um, you know, at home with friends, with family, uh, that simply impacts our performance and people should not be expected to you know deliver the same way every day um because life happens yeah <laughs> and right yeah so i i think like from my personal experience whenever i have understood that um you know it is okay for me to share with my leader when something happens and i always get like a kind of positive encouragement and and you know those kind words in terms of of course like you need to you know spend some energy and time on resolving your personal situation which is understandable and let me know if you need any support uh, and so on and so on 
So like, I think bringing that personal aspect um, into the equation uh, is really a foundational element of uh, creating psychological safety. If we, if we talk about real psychological kind of safety, uh, that also allows us to really be like vulnerable outside of, you know, the normal kind of work related topics. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I would maybe just add that to that. That is definitely a good point because we, we mustn't forget that people do work to provide for their family. It's not the other way around. So their family life is their first priority, um, not their work life. And we need to make sure we have this work life balance um, at all time. And sometimes this scale needs to tip in favor of the family. And sometimes it needs to tip in favor of work. And it should be a good balance in the end. Yeah, and it should be most importantly allowed to be discussed, right? And yeah. negotiated. What is the right balance uh, at the moment? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Gunnar. Excellent. Well, Gunnar, I believe we're going on to your second question now. Uh, you already highlighted uh, that you'd like to use humor uh, within your yeah. management style. Yeah. So, um, some so some of all of my my team members have some different goals and sometimes if they we have a goal with where they have had to write some technical notes so knowledge-based articles have to write a certain amount each month and if they're falling behind then I can post a meme uh, instead of saying hey you're falling behind then just posting a meme uh, so it gives a good laugh for the team but they know what I mean with it so I don't have to point fingers I don't have to do say anything bad but it works. It reminds them, oh, I need to make those tech notes. Um, and and like my previous question, I'm always all ears to hear other good ideas on, on how to use humor. Because as I mentioned earlier, I read some articles about also how that builds trust. Uh, a good laugh brings, builds trust. So I, I love humor and I, I like you know, to have the trust. Thanks. Um, I have to say it is actually a difficult question for me because I don't think I have used it in like intentionally, you could say, even though I certainly do make jokes at work and I use, you know, the so-called meme language all the time as well uh, to communicate. So that's definitely one way to bring it in. But uh, when it comes to humor, like, again, it's one of those things, it's similar to the, the social interaction, right? It's like, it all, it cannot be forced. It has to come naturally, right? Yeah. Um, so it, when the situation kind of uh, asks for it or when there is an opportunity, you know, then, of course, like, I don't hesitate to, to make a joke and try to make people laugh, even though, like, the intercultural aspect um, also kind of makes it even more challenging because uh, humor I think is one of the kind of most specific cultural traits um, like humor can be so different depending on uh, which which yeah people you work with like um, example and I love my Finnish colleagues so I know they will understand this when I say this but making a joke uh, with a Finnish person is not always uh, very easy 
But once you get to know how they perceive humor, of course, then it's easier to to make a joke that, uh, you know, they can relate to as well and laugh about as well. Uh, but it could be, yeah, same could be say, said about like Brits, I guess, right? That's also a very specific word. Uh, I live in Denmark and Gunnar, you're uh, living in Denmark in Danish. So you know that Danish humor is very direct right and then some people don't find it that funny um so i think like once the foundation has been reached for creating that psychological safety and and the foundation of like people feeling like they know each other and that they can relate to each other uh i think then it becomes more natural using humor also to uh to fo- foster that kind of safe social environment but I am trying to be constantly aware of like, you know, how it's going to be received and whether it's the uh, right context or right time and place uh, for for saying a joke, depending on who am I talking to and uh, mm. how comfortable are we w- uh, with each other and so on. So it's like, uh, I think it can be great tool, but I think it needs to be managed wisely or maybe that kills the humor part of it but uh, if you get what i mean it should yeah. be uh used wisely yes yeah yeah you should be conscious of when you're saying what and absolutely yeah and and, and i feel with my team we probably been brought so much together then we can say a lot of things without crossing any lines whereas with other parts of the company we've I meet somebody I haven't spoken to before, then of course I'm more cautious about what I'm saying. Um, that I think that's only natural. Right. But yeah, I mean, I after this, I think I will try to figure out how I can use it even more to make uh, our daily life a little bit uh, more fun. Um, I think we can maybe move to the next question, right? So... Um, I think this is comes a little bit in contrast to the previous question because now we uh, describe maybe the highlights of you know when the team is feeling great and and when something is funny. But uh, my next question is more related to when you can actually see that the motivation of the team is going down, uh, whether that's you know team in general, like a mood uh, in the team, or whether it's a specific person. Uh, where you can clearly see that the motivation is uh, declining. Um, So how is it like, how do you usually manage these kind of situations? Do you, um, you know, have some go-to tips on how to deal with that? Yeah, so so it really depends on the situation. So, and again, is it the entire team or is it an individual? So we had uh, a couple of years ago, a situation where we had our workload was bigger than the resources. So everyone was extremely busy. And at some point, we, we were using rewards, uh, paying out over time. So like giving them an instant benefit. Um, and then again, speaking to it uh, and being honest about it. Hey, yes, there's a big workload. It's not fun right now. Um, but we have to work through this and then making sure that everyone is appreciated um, and feeling appreciated. That's, that's super important. So, 
sometimes a conversation with a person can lift them up when they get this feeling of being appreciated. And then again, going from a thank you to a reward or uh, in, in the best case, a promotion um, can also help a person. And then, and again, it depends on what it is. If it's a single person that has an increased workload, then I can just redistribute among the team members so that workload is lifted off that person. So that's the easy solution. Um, and then again, making sure that I constantly make them feel appreciated. And that could also be by simply sending out some swag to the to the team, like a t-shirt or drinking mop, um, having content. To, so we, we are doing, let's say we, we have something where we have who creates the most tech notes and they get a reward and some bag of, of, of swag um, or a little statue saying I'm number one. Um, stuff like that can, can bring some spirit up in team. If it's somebody um, or if it's if they're not having high morale because of workloads uh, or if it's something that is due to lack of training or something, then it's kind of falls back to me. Then I need to redistribute or work with it. Um, if it's something where they kind of drop the ball, um, then we I need to go into and look to why that is. And maybe it's because it's not the right assignment for them and I need to know better what assignment is better for them. Or for a period of time, letting them off that kind of assignment and give them something else so they can get back up and then give them some training on the side. Um, or simply have time off the phone or um, whatever is needed. And I, it also falls back to, as we, we, you mentioned earlier, that sometimes family life or, or life outside work can have big influence on your work life. Um, so knowing what's going on in people's life is, is also very important. Sometimes they may, maybe they just need a day off or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe the best the way to improve motivation is to give someone a day off, right? <laughs> um, yeah, good, uh, good answers. I mean, maybe one or uh, two reflections from my side, like in general, from my experience, I think I've noticed like two things uh, that significantly bring down the motivation. And one is almost always related to like, when people don't find the work that they're doing interesting anymore and when they don't feel they're learning, like as soon as the learning kind of goes down and it's not an exciting thing for them to work on anymore because they've done it about a thousand times before, uh, that I can definitely think like it reflects a lot uh, on their motivation. So I always try to be proactive in terms of asking them actually in our one-to-one -one conversations if they still find the work interesting and if they're learning new things um and then besides the learning like um second thing of course then i think would be that uh, when the teams i think don't see kind of the bigger picture and and the value in what uh, or how do they contribute to the bigger goals of the company, then I think the motivation can really go down as well. 
Um, so these are like the two things I think that can be somewhat proactively managed and 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 mitigated if one is aware that these two you know factors are absolutely critical to have people feeling motivated um, yeah. to to deliver. Yeah. Yeah, I, I completely agree that making sure that they understand why we are doing something is is super important because that raises the bar for what they're willing to do. Um, absolutely agree. Um, and and learning. So we we are we have given Udemy uh, to all the team members. Um, so uh, unlike a Netflix model, so they can go into this learning site and consume all the learning they want. Um, that's that's really good. And then we have a couple of goals around how much learning they have to do. Um, so they have to take at least two technical courses and one soft course every year. Um, they tend to do more than that. So that's that's really good. And then it's up to them to choose whatever course they want. Um, and then also like like you you ask into to them then also ask into them both with career aspirations. So we can't be blind for that. Sometimes people evolve and want to get away from the team. They want to try something else. And then it's better to like keep them in the organization and then help preparing them to get to another position um, or advance in the organization. So that's exactly. news. Agreed to that very much. Yeah. Amazing question again, Simona. Thank you. Kind of we're coming around to your final question. Um, yeah. And and that uh, again goes a little around how how life can be fun at work. So, um, in in example, I, what I'm asking is how you can turn a boring task into something that can engage the team. Um, so what I do sometimes is uh, when we if we have a new policy or a policy that we need to refresh, then I send out the PDF file, which is basically dead boring to read. And then I do a Kahoot, uh, perhaps a week after or two weeks after, uh, with the team, and everyone lo- loves to compete, and that kind of raises their motivation to to actually read that PDF with the policy. Um, so, and again, I'm all yes to to good ideas. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I can definitely see that you. Um, you manage with humor and and games and trying to bring the playful element into your teams. Uh, so it makes me want to feel like I want to be a part of your team because it sounds like it is <laughs> a, it is a lot of fun. Um, I'm not sure if I have like any specific examples. I think um ca- the Kahoot that you mentioned is one of the tools that we would use um, as well from time to time uh, to ca- try to keep uh, things a little bit more exciting. Um, I think it's like, you know, the the boring task, like they will, of course, always be some portion of boring tasks, right? Uh, but I think like that anyone should be able to handle uh you know a few boring tasks here and there um without maybe having to you know make it into something super exciting i think the problem comes when it's too many boring tasks right then the problem lays then somewhere else that they are actually being given that many tasks that they find uh, boring 
But of course, like there are things like uh, reading up on a policy or on an implementation of a law, you know, that uh, then becomes really not that engaging. And then I would maybe just return, you know, back to uh, what you said that uh, you often use to kind of lighten up the situation and that would be uh, the humor, right? Uh, because I think you can bring that into especially topics like that uh, and then it like kind of just acknowledge that yes this is a really freaking boring thing that we have to do and no one really likes it and no one's going to pretend that they like it and we can kind of you know just make fun of it and and get through it um together so like this feeling of togetherness like we're in this together and we have to deal with this boring stuff uh for a bit uh, because that's simply what uh, we've been asked to do um so yeah i think like how to put it uh i think it's always like boredom is always better when you're in it like with multiple people uh when that's a very good point yeah then when you're like doing a boring task alone right that really kind of like kills you so uh like at least uh bringing up uh bringing more people um for boring tasks together uh you know going through something and kind of acknowledging the feeling of this is not the most exciting thing that i have worked on but we will get through it together. Like that's, I think, the kind of spirit that uh, that you want to create in a team. Absolutely, good point. And and we use we have we're using Microsoft Teams, and we have some chat groups, and there we also talk about some of these things. That to your point of bringing it together, and we discuss who's gone for first with the, the things we had to do with customer success or whatever is being put on our plate. So absolutely true. And I definitely can recognize the, your point of we're in this together. Yes, exactly. Excellent. Well, guys, I believe we've gone through all of the questions that we had prepared uh, today. So I believe we'll leave it there. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I really want to take this opportunity to thank both Simona and Gunnar for both providing their incredible insights, but also fantastic questions around the topic today. And of course, thank you guys for listening. If you would like to get involved in one of the upcoming podcasts, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn or via email at sam.williamson at evolution-nordics.com. Uh, and should you like to wish to reach out to either Simona or Gunnar, please do. Uh, they will be tagged in, in the LinkedIn post when, when we put this um, out into the, the podcast sphere. And I'm sure uh, Gunnar's got a couple of jokes that he could share 